passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cafe Hangout. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting. The two of us will be with you for the next hour, chatting lots of news, taking some phone calls via Skype, via phone, however you want to communicate with us, and two special guests way. Very special guests. We are going to be joined by James Lynch from The Score, uh, one of the top MMA interviewers out there. He is going to be joining us to chat about uh, the MMA industry as a whole, kind of the the media landscape. I'm looking forward to catching up with James, uh, someone that we worked with many lifetimes ago. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be on the show with us. And towards the end of the show, we're going to hear from uh, Buck Gunderson, Ontario independent wrestler. He's going to be on those OWE shows that are happening in Toronto SummerSlam week. Uh, One of, or I should say two of many shows that are going down that weekend. And some AEW talent is also going to be on those OWE shows here. You've got Daniels and Kazarian announced the Dark Order. They should be very good shows. We've got an SCU versus SCU match. SoCal Uncensored versus Shanghai China China Uncensored. They're doing it. So that is happening. I think you and I are going to be getting out to one of those shows. That's yes. the plan. Yes. That is the current plan. Right so, after, like, it's it's going to be right after we do one of these. That's true. It's a, it's a, well, no, that the one we're going to is a Wednesday. Oh, okay. So what's the Thursday? Oh, never mind then. So, we're, so I we're guess good. we're free. It's another show on the Thursday Sweet. that we were contemplating going to right afterwards. So Wonderful. There's a lot going on that SummerSlam week, but as, whenever I bring that up, I just say to myself, that's a long ways away. It is. Now we're, we're getting kind of closer to that week of craziness, but all good stuff. Uh, way, I don't think we should... Uh, share any pleasantries i think think we should go right into the news i just jotted down some stories i seriously have three six nine twelve thirteen news stories that i just like off the top of my head yeah of things that like usually i just jot down some things for you and i to catch up on uh let's start off with maybe the biggest one today and that is starcast putting up a video to announce get to chicago uh, or get to StarCast. I really butchered that one. GTS. CM Punk announced August 31st at StarCast. Hell of a get for them. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, Punk has done signings. But, I mean, he's really had a separation from heavy wrestling in infused conventions. And this one, it's obviously going to lead to tons of discussion about his his role that weekend. Uh, but officially announced for StarCast August 31st, which is the date of All Out. It's a big deal. Um, I think, you know, uh, so so many people wondering, oh, like they're doing another StarCast so soon. Is is it going to attract uh, that much buzz or that much attention? So coming coming after Double or Nothing. And I certainly feel like they got the best person in order to achieve that level of buzz in CM Punk. Um let the speculation begin. It'll be fun. By the end of it, I don't know if much will change, but you know, we'll, it, it, it'll 
it'll it'll uh, I guess uh, introduce a uh, a lot more interest for that weekend. Yeah, we, listen, everyone understands that AEW and Starcast that they you know they work in concert together, but they are two separate things. If you are AEW and you are not going to have a surprise appearance, you know that ahead of time. Do you someone want to caution the blow to the audience that is necessary? They're naturally as wrestling fans going to jump to that conclusion that you don't want to be setting people up for, even though an unannounced surprise, but a surprise nonetheless, that there's going to be, you, you sort of want to cushion that and maybe make it clear. Punk is not scheduled to be there. Or do you just simply leave it be? And if the audience lets their mind go, we haven't advertised anything. So it's hard to get upset at the promotion when we've announced nothing. I think, yes. I think if you're AEW, you've kind of established a connection with the audience where you're very transparent about a lot that's been going on. Uh, look no further than, you know, the Cody Rhodes uh, chair shot incident and how they handled that. Uh, and even last year with All In, and I think all the, all the speculation around CM Punk doing that show. So I feel like if, if Punk weren't, weren't to arrive, I feel you would hear from them telling you straight up, hey, this isn't happening. Don't get your hopes up. Which will naturally lead people to believe, oh my God, it's happening. Like there, there's really yeah, wrestling, there's right? no winning at it. That's wrestling. You remember right? that year at the Royal Rumble when Kenny Omega went on uh, the Observer site and did an interview and flat out said, "Do not be expecting me at the Royal Rumble. I'm not going to be there." Yeah, and that's just natural in wrestling that people then believe the opposite. So I, I think that it's an interesting position to be in that it's going to lead to speculation, but that's the only announcement. He's going to be at the convention. It's probably going to be now. They haven't announced. Uh, what he's doing if this is just strictly a signing obviously if it was to do a q and a i think that would be that would be enormous for starcast to be able to get that yeah. i don't know if punk's going to be committing to doing um like a q and a show or right. if he's even that interested in doing that mm -hmm. so um yeah there's not there's not much more to say beyond that yeah, other than it's a great get for starcast he's done autograph signings in the past like comic cons and whatnot this D done is... stuff with pro wrestling tees so right. it's not like he has completely divorced himself from anything wrestling related it's just because it happens to be in the same city that mm -hmm. this other big show is happening i mean where he lives anyway but yes um we've got uh some interesting news uh coming from the wrestling observer newsletter today uh with Dave Meltzer reporting about a meeting that Fox affiliates had about the, this was covering a lot of different uh, business regarding Fox, but in particular, SmackDown was brought up and discussing that it will be going live 51 weeks a year, meaning the one week they'll be preempted is for the World Series, and you would assume they'll just flip it onto FS1 that week, that's uh, expectation, and also the interesting note, the idea of potentially putting NXT onto one of their networks and presumably you, Wednesday you would have to be able to come to that arrival that Wednesday would be the night probably FS1 and sets up you know their the their Wednesday counter Wednesday night wars the Wednesday night wars um I'm sure I'm sure that there can be a some marketable tagline around hump day did they mention anything about it possibly going live or will it stay taped not nothing about that I would think that if NXT were to suddenly turn into a weekly property, you would have to get out of full sale because I I have heard that one of the difficulties with full sale is its availability. That even now it's it's tough sometimes to get it on. You know they're going there once a month, so think right. about going weekly. I think you would have to take it out of there. And how would NXT? It, that would be very interesting because you would, in theory, NXT and AEW would be going nationally and looking for similar buildings. And we may get 
be getting really ahead of ourselves on the NXT front. But I think everyone anticipated that as this deal, uh, as they get into this, that's the natural property. That if there is an audience for SmackDown, they're going to want more. And obviously, WWE wants as much content out there. And that would give them presence on Monday nights on USA, Tuesdays with the studio show on FS1, in theory, NXT Wednesday nights, and then SmackDown on Fridays and your monthly pay-per-view. So that's like, it's a lot and it's, and it would net NXT a potential television deal. And I think overall it would, I'm really excited if they were to go that route, because I think in the end it would, it would mean a really exciting Wednesday. It's overwhelming to me. It's overwhelming to cover, absolutely. But I think for the wrestling fan, you know, just even seeing a small glimpse of what we what we saw this past weekend with the Evolve show going up against AEW, again, the net positive is that there's going to be great wrestling to choose from uh, anytime you know during the week. And if I'm, I would be really happy if NXT took that f- further step up, maybe increasing the show to a two hour show, maybe you know having a bit more of a TV like presentation so that you see you know uh, like the top stars in every single show. Um, I'd be really interested to see that. Yeah, so that's obviously one one to follow. I mean, hardly anything confirmed, but it, the fact that those discussions are beginning, um, that's, I think, what everyone expected. Some counter on Wednesday nights, which AEW has yet to officially announce the date. That's mm-hmm. the one that seems to be what everyone is expecting uh, Wednesday nights. So maybe a curveball gets thrown out. What do you think this means for the network? Which network? WWE, WWE Network? WWE Network, yeah. I think that if you are going to move NXT off... Um, First of all, I never thought NXT was going to be something that they, if they got the right deal, they'd move NXT Mm -hmm. off the network in a heartbeat. What I do think it is, is that Evolve has now opened the door. I expect Evolve to have a much bigger presence on the network. I think that these, um, I I think that Evolve could probably take a different approach now. Instead of doing their two shows a weekend every month, I would, I would do one big show a month and that could be on the network. Um, and then maybe you make a Sunday night exclusive elsewhere, but I think that Evolve's going to have more of a presence. I think that the tiered system is coming. and NXT UK. I, NXT UK, maybe that gets more of a presence to it. But I don't think that you'd have a large amount of people unsubscribing because of NXT. It would be a hit to some. I'm sure many people, that is their top priority. As long as it, priority. the average NXT viewer is probably sticking around for the takeovers. So I don't anticipate many people. That's right. And the takeovers would still stay on, on the network in theory. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think, it, I think it would be a minimal hit that they get. And whatever they lose, once they introduce that tiered system, they're going to be getting more per person, I would say, because you're going to have a lot of that audience willing to go up a second or third tier when those are eventually introduced. Uh, Speaking of takeovers, the next one is August 10th, SummerSlam weekend, and they shot the angle on Wednesday night's TV, and it's going to be Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. Again, two out of three falls for the NXT title, which with each one picking a stipulation, and if they get to a third fall, the stipulation is there will be no reset. There will be no commercial break. Uh, William Regal gets to choose the third stipulation. So that's going to headline takeover and probably be close to an hour long match. I would think. I think for this particular feud, after the track record, these two have had an hour would not be, nobody would complain about it whatsoever. I really like the stipulation that the way, the way they're doing this, obviously obvious comparisons to three stages of hell. But I think with the added uh, mystery of not knowing what that third stipulation is, I find very interesting. Uh, Braun Strowman announced that he has signed a new deal with WWE for an additional four years. And I mean, he's 35 now, so that pretty much locks him up for, you know, prime years uh, in his career. And I would say that Braun, 
I mean, he's in a great spot, and I would not anticipate he would be one that would be looking to go elsewhere unless he, and I'm sure he got an enormous deal to sign on for four more years. Uh, Eric Bischoff starting today uh, in Stanford at the office, and of course, will be at TV next week in Tampa and Tuesday night in Miami. So he is being uh, brought in, and now the process begins with Eric Bischoff. Uh, also announced for next week. Shawn Michaels is going to be there on Monday for Raw, and then he's doing commentary Tuesday night on SmackDown. Do you like this idea of Shawn Michaels? It sounds like the way he couched it was he's going to be on there for the whole show. It it sounded like he's going to be doing the whole show, and I wonder if that's an unofficial audition for him. I think you have to look at it that way. I you know? don't see any other reason you would be bringing him in for that specific role. Um, yeah. Which would say that, you know, for Fox, potentially, they're they're looking for another voice maybe keeping Corey Graves exclusive on Raw, and maybe we're going to see a bunch of uh, tryouts. I mean, you heard Daniel Cormier's name thrown out there uh, at times. Uh, maybe Shawn Michaels is someone. He did that, uh, what was it, the Super Bowl show, where yes. he was all right. Yeah, so, I think so. I'm kind of curious to see how he uh, how he does here. Uh, finally, before we uh, finish up this, did you get to see Road to All Out, episode one? Yes, I did. So this was built around a sit-down interview that Jim Ross conducted with Sean Spears. I thought Jim Ross was great in this role. I think that this is a really effective use of Jim Ross to be the the veteran announcer sitting down and getting this story over with Sean Spears, who went over that he had five people in his inner circle in wrestling, and one of them was Cody. But Cody used the dreaded term that Sean was a good hand. And that just was unacceptable out of his top five. And what was hilarious about this was that Jim Ross was notorious for using that term in the Ross report every Friday on WWF.com of someone, so-and-so, he's a very good hand. And that's, to me, where for this generation of wrestling fans, that term was most popularized was from Jim Ross. And then the end reveal is that Sean Spears, his... Mentor, his new manager is Tully Blanchard. Yes, I love it. It was a nice little reveal at the end of this. I think, you know, again, like with all of Cody's big matches so far uh, as a part of AEW or All In, they've really kind of all stolen the show because of great storytelling and great history attached to whether it be his name with the NWA title or him and his brother. And in this case, Bring Tully in for a feud against Dusty Rhodes' son. I think it's awesome. I love that sit-down interview. To me, it was the most comfortable Jim Ross looked in his role as part of AEW thus far. This is the type of storyline I think Jim Ross can really sink his teeth into. You know, something that feels real, something that's very much, I think, based in history, but also with, you know, much of the present attached to it as well. Uh, He sounded as good as he did in like so many of those prior interviews you might have seen him on uh, in the WWE. Um, we also had Tony Schiavone lead the control oh, yeah. Th- center. This is Saturday night, 6.05 p.m. Eastern. Yes, certainly. Um, and you can I-, t- I like Schiavone in that role, too. I like it, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, part of me wonders if it's like, you know, you're, you're going too, I know much, what you're saying. too yeah. much nostalgia for something like that should be brand new and fresh. Uh, but clearly- I-, I think their, their thinking as well is... Who is the audience that left wrestling in 2001 and what was a golden period for them? So I'm sure that's some of the thinking, too, is that a lot of that WCW audience that goes back to Jim Crockett promotions, that is the audience wrestling lost. I think we're seeing more and more, especially through something like, you know, the Road to uh, videos that Cody's style of professional wrestling storytelling is very much, you know, back to the WCW kind of Crockett era, uh, which we grew up in. And so I'm 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 there for it. You know, I hope they don't 
go too deep into it, but I think Shivani like something interesting about about seeing it uh seeing that. Do you think they start at eight oh five Eastern on a Wednesday? Uh maybe. Yeah, that could be. You know, the one line that Sean could have done at the end was saying, Jim, before that interview, I had my inner circle. I had my five and Cody is gone. And he puts the four up for Ooh, Blanchard to come. Nice, in. beautiful. Oh, that would go great. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I really liked it a lot. These these road two shows are are my favorite like build up videos. I really enjoy. I, I really enjoy them. I think they do a great job of getting the stories across. And I thought everyone came across really well. I liked Jim Ross's interview. Uh, Spears Spears was pretty well spoken and yeah, got he a sounded nice, great. Nice reveal at the end of all of this. Uh, last thing, did you get to see Chad Gable, Jack Gallagher from Tuesday night? I did. This match was awesome. It this was, was fantastic. Was this? Did you enjoy this more than Cesaro and Black on the pay per view? Because I had it neck and neck. I thought these two were. Dude, I saw so much great wrestling over the weekend. Like you just kind of throw that up there with like you know all the other matches that I saw that were that were outstanding. Um, this has been a great week for professional. This wrestling. This was an awesome match. It was it was hurt by the crowd, but man, Chad Gable is like if you had done the angle where he was Kurt Angle's kid. You would have a segment of the audience that would believe that it's legit. Oh yeah, he is like or Kurt Angle, late two thousand, early two thousand one. At this point, he is just in the zone. I also like the setup with Drake Maverick and Mike Kanellis. They it is bizarre world watching those two on this show, and they're building to this match, which will now happen. They haven't said when, but if Kanellis beats Drake, he will get a cruiserweight title match. Okay, so I thought it was built up really well. I like the segment involving the two. Yeah. Uh, what do you think this means for Chad Gable coming up, though? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if these are just going to be one-offs. Um, I was glad they finally got to the rematch. Uh, they really didn't set up anything in the future, but, man, they put him over. I, w- I would like to see... I'd rather see Gable on 205 Live in front of a dead crowd than not at all. Um, he's a phenomenal talent, and this guy is just sitting there, or in the case of the town hall, standing around. Shall we go to our first guest? I think we should. It is time to welcome this man onto the show. Uh, now you can catch all of his fine work at the score. He is James Lynch joining us all the way from BC, joining us here on the Cafe Hangout, our former colleague. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, guys. This feels kind of like uh, 2011 all over again or something, speaking with you guys. It is. It is. Uh, maybe we'll get some impressions at, at some point. Uh, but it's, it's great to have you on, James. Uh, lots going on. Uh, and I just want to start off just uh, you've now been in this new role at The Score uh, for over a month at this point. Uh, can you just talk to us a little bit about what went into this decision and kind of what you've got started now at The Score and they're really digging into the MMA coverage and you're leading the way with all of it? First and foremost, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, big fan of the work you guys are doing. Uh, the score has been great. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was doing my freelance thing, as you guys know, and uh, I was working for you know five different outlets and, and doing my thing and just making a living as a freelancer, which is tough to do, but I was making it work. And the score came with uh, you know an, a really good offer, and we, we discussed it, and we went over some of their vision. And I think the big thing for me that made me really want to take this position was the fact that uh, they believed in the work I was doing. And, and you know with the video interviews and doing you know covering events, 
events and things like that. And they, we were on board basically throughout everything. I was, I was kind of surprised the more we were talking, the more like I was expecting pushback or them being like, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. They were totally cool with everything I wanted. And, um, and I was like, sure. So, uh, it's been about two months now. Uh, things have been going great. I've covered a, cu a couple of events for them, uh, UFC 238 and UFC 239. And basically, it's kind of similar to what I was already doing. The only difference really being that uh, as far as the content goes, I'm kind of managing everything for the score. Um, but it's a mix of original content and also, you know, the major news that we're covering. And it's 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 worked great um, for those who might be wondering, because I do get hit up all the time for, for jobs, people asking if there's opportunities <laughs> there. It's kind of a different system where I basically handle my work Monday to Friday and then during the events I handle all my content but they have you know NFL writers and other people doing sort of the news off hours so it's kind of a well-oiled machine we don't have to cover every fight announcement it's mainly just the the, the big stuff but we uh, I sort of have been pushing with them and they've, they've agreed with it which is just original content you know there's so many sites out there that are aggregating content I don't want to be that I'd rather us do our own original content and try and break out that way so it's been great working with as many outlets as you were James was it something that Long term for you, you believe that you would find eventually just just one place to dedicate your work to? Or was it something that th this just kind of came out of nowhere and it wasn't really a uh, kind of a, a topic that you had really addressed in your mind of where you wanted to end up? Were you happy doing what you were doing prior? I was happy doing what I wanted to. I felt like at some point I would be doing this full time. As you guys know, that it's really difficult to land full time work in this industry. It's sure. very tough. Uh, but for me, it was it was am I moving forward in my career? And I felt like what I was doing was fine. And it certainly was working out well. But to have a full time job, to have paid travel, which I've never had. I mean, every UFC event I had covered up to that point, I was paying out of my own pocket. And I was sort of doing this system where if I made enough ad revenue off my YouTube channel, I could cover the event. But, you know, not to have to worry about that is great. Having benefits, having all that stuff is stuff that I didn't have for the last year and a half. And, you know, I'm like yourself, John, I'm a father. So I had to think long term for my family. And I think as, as risky as that was, because to me, it is a risk. You know, I, I left all these outlets. I had good security there. You know, if I got let go from one position, I'd still have income coming in with this. It's I'm all in. Um, so I kind of just took it in and I was like, you know what? I got to take this. Even if it doesn't work out, at least I can say I tried. And the timing of it was great, because if you guys remember, I got hired right before all those of other signings happened with MMA fighting and MMA yeah, junkie. Yeah. And who knows if that would have worked out for me? I don't know. I mean, I could have been really bitter and not had any offers. So it kind of worked out well. And like I said, the big thing with the score that I was happy about is just the fact that they were on board with the video interviews and everything. Cause I don't know, had I gone to another outlet, if I'd be able to do that and just, you know, have to do writing, which I love writing, but my bread and butter is my video interviews. James, it's way here. Yes. It's been, hey man, uh, nice to talk to you. It's it's been amazing to like see your growth. You know, uh, from several years back working with you as an editor back at the Fight Network to you jumping from position to position, but constantly working really hard, growing your own brand in order to become, I think, a, a full time MMA reporter like you are today. What would you kind of say has been sort of you know your philosophy uh, as you kind of left the Fight Network and decided to do to do your own thing? Well, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious I can say this now. I mean, I, I didn't think there was any future at Fight Network when I was there. And it's no knock on, on the company. I mean, John, you were you were a mainstay. Ramdean was a mainstay. Robin Black was a mainstay. I knew if I wanted to succeed as a broadcaster covering MMA, I would have to go elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I bounced around for, for a few outlets and I kind of was just freelancing on the side. And then I realized that, um, you know, I could I could do I could still work in this industry, but maybe not full time and just, you know, do like a nine to five. But what kind of forced me to go into freelancing was the fact that I became 
became a dad and I couldn't do both. I mean, I was, I was freelancing a lot on the side and still holding a full-time job up until October of 2017. And I couldn't do both. And I just remember when my wife and I were talking about it and she's like, well, you're going to have to probably give up, you know, your freelance work. I was like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I really enjoy it. And, mm. you know, I just, you know, you guys have worked at big companies before, even outside of Fight Network. Like it's, like just to do the corporate thing. And, and I just were, I was working at Rogers at the time and, you know, it was, it was a good company and everything. And I had everything I needed financially, but I just didn't see myself there long-term. I didn't want to be a manager. I didn't want to, uh, you know, do stuff that I wasn't passionate about. So I, it kind of forced me to, you know, decide if I wanted to, to take this jump. And, um, and so I, I did, and I just, you know, I re I I'd always, I thought if I was going to do this, I'd have to do it full time. But what I realized at that time was that I could just work for a bunch of different outlets and just have a full-time salary by working as much as I could. And, and that worked out for a year and a bit. Now here we are, you know, talking about a full-time thing, but I think to kind of answer your question, I think, um, yeah, I just, it, it kind of, I was just kind of hoping it would work out. And I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, if you work hard and you're passionate about something and you're growing, I think that's a big thing too. I think you'll get to where you need to get to. And so far so good. I think things have gone quite well for me. It's the kind of industry James as well, where it's like, if, if you're not getting up and enjoying it, like I feel like you're, you're going to get weeded out because this can be, it can be very difficult if you're working somewhere that you're not enjoying. And for myself, I mean, not necessarily working for anyone now beyond myself, like Wei and I, I think it'd be very difficult now to go to a process where I'm working for somebody, maybe not doing ideally what I want to do. And it sounds like from your situation right now, like you're being given that autonomy, which I imagine happiness is a big factor in what you decided. Well, and the fact it's remote. I mean, the first the, the first interaction I ever had with them was and, and I, you know, they're like, oh, we're interested in this and that. And I said, look, I just got to tell you guys right off the bat, I'm not moving back to Toronto. Like, mm -hmm. I love Toronto. I lived there for 10 years. It was great. But like, I'm so happy uh, being back on the West Coast. Like my family's here. Like I haven't seen them for years. So um, that was sort of a big hurdle. And the fact that I get to do this remotely and we have this system where, you know, I check in a lot and they're, they're pretty good about it. They're not micromanaging me. They, they trust the work I'm doing. Um, you know, I think they can see from the, the work that I am doing because I am sort of a one-man show that I am putting a lot out there. And they, they've really helped me grow as well, too. That's something I didn't really get when I was a freelancer. I mean, I'd have feedback here and there, but seeing how they're, they run their company and seeing how they do things, it's really helped me in these last two months really grow and you know try out different strategies and do different things, especially with my video content that I really think is is helping me overall. And that, that's always the goal. You got to be moving forward. You can't be you can't be moving backwards. And um, and again, I think like I love doing this. Will I love this in 10 years? I don't know. I hope I do. But uh, for now, uh, you know, I thoroughly enjoy getting up every morning and knowing that I get to, to cover the sport. It's awesome. So having done both, how, how much of a difference is it uh, for you uh, covering MMA on the West Coast? Because I envy you, James, but is it, <laughs> is it as big a, a difference as I have it in my mind? Uh, I, I think it's a, a huge advantage to be able to be on the West Coast and, and covering all of this at a more normal time zone. Yeah. And that, that, that you just said it there, the time zone, it's a huge factor. I work 7.30 till 3.30 Pacific time, which is 10.30 till 6.30 uh, Eastern time, which is great because like I'm done work early. I can go pick up my kid from daycare. I can, you know, do all these things that I couldn't do. I remember when I was in Toronto working, even as a freelancer, like I can't, like it's tough to book interviews before like a certain period of time. Yeah. So I, I was missing dinners there. It was, it was tough. I mean, I, I got to give credit to my wife. She was patient throughout the whole thing, but living out here, being able to watch the cards earlier, like I can watch a card at, 
you know, in the afternoon and then it ends before like, you know, nine o'clock. It's great. I mean, it's a huge, and not just that, but the travel part of it too, like to get to Vegas, to get to California, that's a lot easier going out there. And, and, you know, if I need to get somewhere, it's, it's a lot easier in terms of the distance. And there's a pretty good MMA scene here as well. Like, you know, I was able to go interview Julia Budden person. Like there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, benefits to being out here, but the time zone absolutely is number one on the list. It's great, especially as an old man like myself. <laughs> I'm curious, James, like, you know, what has sort of been the platform you've been focusing the most on and that you've found the most success with and why? Um, well, you know, YouTube has been sort of my thing. I think that's what's really, I, that, that was one of the reasons I think I got this job and I was able to create a brand for myself is that I noticed back, you know, three, four years ago that there was a lot of people doing podcasts and not a lot of people doing video content, like as far as on camera work. And I always wanted to be on camera. You guys remember me at Fight Network. I was doing auditions and trying to, you know, trying to squeeze my way in there. But, uh, it really was something like, because I have that editing background, I was able to figure out how to, you know, create really good high quality video interviews. And my motto back then was I'll interview anyone and it paid off because a lot of the relationships that I had with fighters early on in their career are now in the UFC. And, you know, I have that, that sort of Rolodex. So as far as getting context, it's, it's been pretty easy, but I think really just sort of mastering the video interview, uh, in, in the MMA space, I think has really paid off. And I think that's why the score was so interested because they essentially just brought my brand to them. And now that, you know, everything on the, on their YouTube channel stuff I'm doing. So I think just figuring out that space and, and really run, running with it. And it's funny now because I see a lot of people now starting to do that, uh, the video content. So I think that's what led to my success. And now the next step is how can I make this video content even more interesting and try and take that to the next level? I'm always looking ahead. Animated videos, James. That's your next step. There you go. The, yeah. the cartoon versions out there. I, I'm curious that um, when they launched uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, now we're, we're coming up, it was two years ago. Did you see any kind of direct correlation to now you're seeing more of a mainstream UFC fan that is now exposed to a series that's introducing new names? And that's that's been a niche of the industry that you've been on top of introducing a lot of fighters. And, you know, when when I'm looking at fighters that I haven't seen them, you're one of the go to channels to go because you've probably interviewed them. Yeah, it, it, like I said, I played the long game. You know, people don't think of this when they think of like, you know, the opportunities that Luke Thomas or Eli Hawani has had in this industry. They've been doing this for like 15 years plus. Like go look on Luke's YouTube channel. Go look at the early videos. Like it's been a long grind. There's a lot, there's sort of this, uh, in, you know, kind of um, attitude to, for some in the industry where it's just like, oh, I want to get on full time. I've been working for a year and a half. It's like a year. Like I've been, I've been grinding as a freelancer for probably four or five years. And then even before that at Fight Network, like you really have to look long term in this industry. And I, I really, like, I always say this to younger people who are getting involved, like cover the spots that aren't getting covered. Those relationships do come in handy. Like Jonathan Pierce, I'll give you a small example. One, one, a contract on contender series. I forgot that I interviewed him just because I do do so many interviews, but like he'll remember me. And I know we're scheduling something to, to do something soon. He got a UFC contract, like having those relationships help and just being familiar with the fighters and the camps and, and all that's led to bigger things. Like a lot of people forget that, you know, there might be a, an unknown fighter that, that has a fight on the regional scene, but they might be teammates with someone like really big. So all that helps. And I, certainly know the fighters like even the bigger name fighters they appreciate the fact that i have gone that extra route and i'm not just hitting someone up for the first time that i've never heard of like there is they, they are aware of me like I, i'm very surprised sometimes where i'll have people mention to me or come up i had michael bisping no joke i'm not like saying this to brag but i was at the ufc uh, hall of fame and uh you know we did our interview everything's good and he's like hey man like just wanted to let you know you're doing a great job with your interviews like i watch them all the time for my prep and like the fact that he even notices that is is great so it obviously shows that there is you know a long term plan and it's it's good to invest uh you know in these in these up and comers because it does it does pay off the views might not show on youtube but like i tell the score it's an investment you got to look at it that way 
one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as well, because I, I think that the last six to 12 months have been really fascinating from just the the moves that we've seen in the MMA media landscape uh, that you alluded to, we have seen some major moves and it's, it's a part of the industry that I find really fascinating. That doesn't always receive a- as much attention, but we've seen the launch of the athletic with a lot of talented people, the amount of people that have gone to ESPN, how MMA fighting has been affected uh, watching this f- from afar, James, uh, how would you assess right now the health when it comes to full-time positions in MMA media and kind of the shifts that we have seen over this past year. I, I think it's great. And I think, you know, people who say it's doom and gloom or like what's happening with MMA fighting, I just think the industry's changing. And I think the athletics great because there's a lot of good long form writing that unfortunately doesn't work with a lot of the outlets because a lot of the outlets are based on clicks. Let's be honest. A lot of MMA fans don't want to sit there and read, uh, you know, for more than five minutes when it comes to reading stuff. And that's, it's great to see these guys, you know, in, in their, in their zone. Like it's great to see Sean Alshadi not having to do on camera stuff or having to cover events when he can write like a really good long form piece. Like that for me is enjoyable or seeing, you know, other, people that have been grinding for a while, like Nolan King, who's breaking news, uh, you know, as a part-timer on his own, working for a couple outlets and then seeing him get picked up by MMA junkie. Like, I think it's just a great time right now. I think the people who have gotten on their, on their positions have really earned it. Um, it's good to see that there, you know, there's other options and there are other, you know, sort of branching out and things like that. And for MMA fighting, and I don't mean this as a shot towards them, but I think they kind of didn't play the, I don't think they played their cards right in terms of, I don't think they had a backup plan when Ariel left. And I think they should have thought at some point he was going to leave and you just see, you know, putting Luke in the MMA hour. I knew that wasn't going to work. Not that Luke didn't do a great job, but you know, he's a dad, he's got the full-time gig at serious. Like I knew that it wasn't going to last with him on that show. And then keeping the name, the MMA hour, like, what are you thinking? Like, and, I get and, and in the same from- slot as well, it just from a logistical standpoint, I think that, you know, Luke is fantastic. And it was just, it's very difficult when you're again, you're keeping the name, you're in the same slot. It, it was going to be very difficult right from the get-go. Yeah, it was it was an uphill battle and it's not a slight on Luke at all. I like no. how he actually changed things up and do like, you know, more of the analysis side of it. But it's an uphill battle. People are always going to compare you to Ariel. He should have. Yeah, switched the they should have switched the times and figured that out. And, you know, it, it's a good opportunity for other people. One of my good friends uh, over there, Jose Young's, you know, he's doing uh, he's hosting the chat now. You've got Alex Lee over there. Like it's a chance for these people to really shine and, and create their own brands. And I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to separate you from other people is the brand that you bring to the table and the people who work hard. It will show because uh, we're seeing sort of, uh, you know, all these new things happening. But I I think the biggest thing, like I kind of alluded to off the top is that you're seeing people do what they're good at. You know, Mark Ramondi, seeing him over at ESPN and doing more reporting as opposed to, you know, on camera stuff is great because I just feel like he's not an on camera guy. He's more of a, he's more of a reporter. Let's see him dig into stories a little bit more. And we weren't getting that once Ariel had left. So uh, it's just a fascinating time. And I think, uh, I think it just goes to show that, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever see a period like this again with so much movement, but it just goes to show that like at any point things can really shuffle around. So if you're out there and you've been grinding for years you know you just know that there there is hope and there there's a possibility that you could get picked up um you just have to be smart about it and you have to you have to move forward i think that's the biggest thing is you have to evolve do you do you foresee you know some of the the larger sites out there that it's kind of the mandate that we're going to cover every ufc show or at least every ufc show and i'm kind of curious what you can share of like when when you decide which is an event worth the expenses involved going to cover it because i I know personally when i would be sent from the fight network like you you do wonder like what what is the return on this trip what is like it's got to make sense at the end of the day versus just we've got to be there we've got to have a presence it's it's also got to make financial sense for a lot of these outlets as well and i'm curious if we're going to see more restrictions when it comes to budgets and assessing what what are we getting out an event versus what can we cover remotely at close to that level 
Yeah, it's been tough right now because the the two uh, the two events that I've covered for the score, UFC 238 and 239, did great numbers. But you know, part of that is who was on the card. I mean, you know, 238, you had the you know both the title fights, and uh, for 239, I mean, Ben Askren alone. I mean, you should see the numbers this guy gets. I don't wow. know why people dislike him so much, but he he outperformed anyone as far as the YouTube views and everything else. It, it was really crazy. I had really good numbers on both, and uh, you know, from a YouTube channel that was starting from scratch. I mean, we you know we were at almost 5,000 subscribers, past a million views. Like that's great numbers, and that's because of those two events. But going forward, it's funny you mentioned this because I just sent an email to my boss today about potentially covering Bellator 228. And it's not like a huge card, but, um, you know, Gegard's on there. Obviously, I want to go cover that. And, uh, you know, there, there's, you know, the title fight and there's the tournament. And I think, you know, it's good for us to cover a variety of things. I know, and I kind of outlined it. I said, look, this isn't going to be the same numbers as we had at those two other events. But I think it's important and from an investment standpoint to, you know, show Bellator some love, to go to one of their bigger cards. I don't know if they're going to have a bigger card than that uh, later in the year. So, it's kind of, uh, as far as what I know with what the score wants, I mean, we're, we're going to go to all the pay-per-views within reason. We won't go to Abu Dhabi, obviously. That's a little pricey. But um, in general, it seems like they want me to cover all the pay-per-views as long as they're they're strong ones. I am not going to Edmonton next week. Um, there's two kind of reasons for that. I'm, I'm actually doing commentary next week for a local promotion here. But also, too, I mean, it's not a strong card. I mean, I, I think if you look at it top to bottom, uh, you know, you've got Holloway, you've got Cyborg. Anything can happen in a fight. But if I'm looking at both of those matchups, I think there's two pretty clear winners there. Um, the rest of the card it's not very strong from a name value. Um, I think, you know, it had I not had this this obligation, it might be a tough sell because, again, you're sandwiched in between these two great cards in 239 and 241. It, you're not going to get like I would I would be surprised if there was really good if there was strong numbers for this uh, for for the Edmonton card. And that that typically happens when you have two really good pay-per-views uh, and then another one sandwiched in between. So it's kind of a wait and see. So far, it seems like we're doing every pay-per-view, but we'll see if that changes. If I'm signing off on, on the expenses, James, you one-on-one with, with Gegard Mousasi, when he's fighting, uh, I think that, that that's appointment viewing right there. I'll do you one better. Here's what I'm trying to do, actually. And, and I've, I've kind of talked to my boss a bit about this because his manager and I get along great. He was actually at 239 because he manages Panny Kianzat. Um, I, I got to play video games with Gegard Musasi. Like, that has to happen. I have to get him. Like, my, my, my goal with this, I don't want to spoil this for anyone, but uh, I, I would love to see him play, like, a really difficult, like, retro game and just to see his reaction to that. Like, how oh, funny. I, he, like, he's... Ma- ma- I think he yeah. has a short fuse. I think you'd get some gold of a reaction. To that, that's you. what I'm saying. Imagine him playing like Ninja Turtles. You remember that game back in the day, how difficult that was, like like watching him play? That would be hilarious. So that in itself would be funny. And and just I, the, the thing that I looked at with that card as well is there's just so much good access. Like I'm sure you, I don't know how much Bellator, actually you guys probably didn't cover much Bellator because of the uh, TV deal, but they're really good with media. Like that's one of the things that I kind of told my boss as well is that like, you know, the access with it is so great. Like they're really good about like, even after a media day, they're good about like, oh, did you get everyone you wanted like the UFC I, I get it they have their sort of the, the way they do things but um with Bellator they're, they're a lot easier as far as the access so uh, so we'll see hopefully I, I get to go because I I gotta play video games with them man like that that's yeah. just so cool yeah I mean I like I I did as many Bellator interviews as I did like UFC towards like the during that that whole period like they Bellator was always to me very easy to deal with and made tons of people available like that was always to me uh, a big strength uh, of Bellator that they'd kind of just offer you whoever you would like pretty much as well. Uh, before we wrap this up, a big fight announced for your neck of the woods with Donald Cerrone taking on Justin Gaethje. Uh, were you surprised that this is the fight that they went with uh, for Vancouver? This will be an ESPN plus card September 14th. 
I, I am surprised because, like you said, it is, it is an ESPN Plus card. I figured we were going to get some sort of you know decent main event where they try and spin it and say, oh, well, you're just lucky to have a card here. Like this is a, this is like almost a pay-per-view like event, and as far as I'm concerned, as far as the the, the two names involved, I mean, Gaethje and and Cerrone are huge names, and then the style matchup as well, like. Kudos to the UFC. I, I was saying this. I did a quick video on this this morning. Like, I think this might be the best main event they've ever had. And that's including, you know, they've had Chuck Liddell and Rich Franklin. They've had Damian Maya and Condit. But this this is just such a good main event. I, Cerrone's becoming Captain Canada now. This is, I think, the third time he's headlined a card in Canada. Uh, the first Ottawa card, not headlined, but he's he's been involved in a, a bunch of Canadian cards. Um, it, it's it's fantastic. If you're if you're living in Vancouver, you should be you should be thankful we're getting this. I know the rest of the card isn't great, but this alone should should definitely drive some numbers up and and it's uh yeah it's just it's i'm, I'm couldn't be happier to, to see that they put that fight on this card because it's just uh there, i think there is an appetite for mma here there, there, i know there's some issues with the commission but it's just good to see they're they're really coming back with with a really strong card because it's been a couple years since they've had an event here yeah i think that it's uh you know it's it's the kind of fight that i think is going to strike a lot of interest especially it's the kind of fight you, you take to a market and i think you can get a really good sign of where the health is where is the the casual interest in a particular part of the country when you bring that kind of a fight that you're really going to get a good gauge locally james of like what what is the scene like today in 2019 and it's just yeah and it's good to see that with canada like uh, again they're they're really coming back with like a stronger card and they're they're really putting an emphasis on on the markets because I think, you know, every year you never know where they're going to go in Canada. So it's good to see that they're still kind of, you know, picking their spots and, and putting on decent cards. And uh, even the Ottawa card in June, which had Cerrone and Iaquinta, like it's good to see that they're, you know, using Donald, I guess, for whatever they can in Canada and Max Holloway for that matter. So it's 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 been good to see that they're doing that. Well, James, uh, it was great to have you on the show. Uh, can you let everyone know where they can go follow uh, yourself and all the stuff going on with the scores MMA coverage? Just go to thescore.com. Uh, you can find everything under the MMA tab. But our YouTube channel is really what we're trying to push right now. If you just search the score MMA on there, we're brand new. Like, like I said, less than two months. Uh, really, uh, what you're going to find there for your audience, uh, if anyone watching here, is just original content. That's what we're really pushing. You're going to get a bit of everything, not just UFC, not just Bellator, but Contender Series, PFL. Just interviewed a Canadian prospect today. Like, I really want to give you guys something different because you can find all that good UFC and, and Bellator stuff on, on all the you know the junkies and, and MMA fightings of the world, but really trying to create original content and trying to squeeze our way into this very busy industry but uh more, most importantly guys uh, thank you so much for having me on follow me on twitter at lynch on sports and uh thanks again for having me this was awesome all right thanks so much james and uh and good luck securing gay guard we will we will greatly <laughs> yes. anticipate your, your showdown <laughs> thanks james <laughs> looking forward to it thanks guys all appreciate right. it everyone that was james lynch uh of course lynch on sports on twitter is where you can follow all of his work always great to catch up with him one of the really nice guys out there that's always very uh very helpful, I find, with a lot of people that are just looking for examples of where to kind of break in into a very competitive industry. And he's someone that just kind of, you know, the term gets used a lot, bet on yourself. But that's kind of what James did, just working really hard to carve out a niche for himself and turn it into now a full-time job with the score. And does a hell of a gay guard, Musasi, if you've never heard it. Does a great John Pollock impression, too. Does he? Oh, yeah. Oh, I should have put him on the spot there. Next time. Yeah, he was able to do lots of people, yeah. uh, as I recall. Uh, so great to chat uh, with James. Uh, we will be joined uh, in a couple of minutes by uh, Buck Gunderson, uh, if you're not familiar with him, a, uh, a mainstay on the Ontario independent wrestling scene. And he's going to be involved in the OWE shows that are happening uh, coming up SummerSlam week, which uh, will kick off on Wednesday, August the 7th. And mm -hmm. then we're going to have about 10,000 shows that week. Uh, coupled with, with the finals of the G1. So it's going to be absolute insanity. And then after Monday, I'm going to disappear. 
I think you should take a bit of a break. I'm going to take sure. I'm going to take the entire day off on Tuesday until we have to do SmackDown that night. Oh, that sounds that's, lovely. That's, that's going to be my goal. So we have a few minutes. If anybody wants to get in here with their phone calls, please dial in right now one seven three two eight hundred forty four twenty three or Skype us. Just search for Post Wrestling, completely toll free. Uh, we've been talking about the Raw reunion, and they have uh, ten thousand names that are showing up on Monday night, and we've been discussing how to best utilize Kevin Owens on that show. Interesting note here is that they are doing a SmackDown house show that night of which Owens is advertised for in Fort Myers, Florida. Now they can pull anyone they, they choose if they have a great idea for Monday, but it is worth noting that the WWE site, they are advertising Kofi Kingston, Owens, Ziggler, Charlotte, and Randy Orton among the top names for the show Monday night, which I mean, given all the names that they have on raw, it is kind of the night where, they probably don't need all hands on deck because there's going to be more than enough people to write for anyway. But it just seemed like a natural with what they're doing with Owens right now. You would want him to do something with Austin. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if they have an idea. They'll move him from that house show. But at least now they are advertising him for that show Monday night. Let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on. Yo, what's going on? It's Hansy. Hansy, what is happening? What's happening? Yo, uh, first of all, I want to say thank God Chris Charlton is back on commentary because uh I heard that he was, like, taken off commentary, and then uh, there was, like, a whole fan base that wanted him back. So, I mean, I, I, the reason why I mention it now is because I, I learned about this guy from your show, right? So, I mean, so and, and, and from what I've seen of the guy, the guy does an amazing job. So I'm glad that he's back on commentary. He's like a modern-day um, uh, Mike Kinney to me. He comes across like that with his knowledge and shit, you know? Yeah, well, the professor, Chris Charlton, what was – happening what they weren't removing him from the team but uh, i mean if you watch it it was clear that he was being put into the role just to simply do the translations and if you watch today's show um it seems that he's been given more of a uh, more more a role more closer resembling his prior one before all of this went down but yeah there was there was a lot of pushback from audiences that wanted to hear Chris Charlton on these broadcasts. So it seems like that has been uh, alleviated uh, since, but that's what's been going on. And it turned into quite a story this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just ask one. I'll just ask uh, the NXT questions and I'll, I'll let you guys go, whatever. Sure. Uh, I just want to know that um, with NXT, if they go to FS1, right? Mm-hmm. How will that affect, uh, how will that affect Canada? Like, will, will we get on the network or do you think that, Someone will get it uh, like uh, on a Canadian channel. And second, do you guys think that um, with the, with if NXT does go to FS1, do you guys think? I don't know. If I brought it up to your show before, but do you guys think it would be a smart idea to uh, merge the cruiserweight, the 205 Live with NXT? Because if people are worried about you know two hours being enough time, I think that you know having the I think it'd be more beneficial for the the cruiserweight division to be on NXT because it would be easier for guys to transition out of the cruiserweight division and go to like, you know, the North American title or like the world title there. So I was wondering with those two questions and I'll, I'll, I'll get off now and I'll let you guys answer them. But uh, it's always nice hearing from you guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Nancy. We appreciate the call. Yeah. It's, it's obviously getting way ahead of ourselves, but if you look at the idea, if they were to do live television weekly, first of all, um, they would have to make their own television deals in international countries on their own. I would say if there wasn't, a broadcast deal in place, then it would default to the network. Uh, but it's tough. The network is not geo-blocked either. So um, that becomes difficult as well of how you would be able to handle that. So I, I think that they would obviously have to look at all of that if there would be room for NXT on some of these other 
international platforms if they would be interested in having it and what restrictions there would be if you signed a deal for NXT to be on FS1. Could you put that on the network immediately afterwards? Would you have to wait? Like Raw and SmackDown as it is, they have to wait 30 days before it can go on to the network. So it's a good question. Uh, The Cruiserweight's going there. That's definitely a possibility. I think that'd be great. I guess it still leaves open the question of what you put into that time slot um, to fill out the SmackDown tapings. Uh, But then they also have a huge roster of unused talent that's back there that could use that TV time. Let's say instead of 205 Live, there's, you know, another version of a main event, hopefully with a bit more work put into it than the current version of main event that we see. Might And how much of a tougher ask is that for people of keeping them around for another hour on a Friday night as opposed to a Tuesday night as well? Yeah, true. Uh, Let's go to one more call before we get to Ross. Caller, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, John. Hey, Wayne. It's Paul from New Jersey. Hey, Paul. How are you? Good. Uh, first off, I have to say, Agard Musasi playing the original Ninja Turtles game is something I didn't know I wanted in my life, but my God, I would pay good money to see that because that game is a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to bring up, you guys were talking about, um, I remember on, on Reveal Raw, you were talking about that Alexa Bliss match, and I know she was very critical of the fans. Um, I didn't find really anything, like she, she said it was very disrespectful, and I didn't really find them to be that disrespectful. Um, I thought it was a bad match, and I thought that... Um, you know, for me, you guys know, you've met me, I'm visually impaired. So if I can see somebody missing kicks or like botches, I, you know, it's a botch. So I didn't really, I'm sure as a performer that stinks and I'm sure that's a tough night for them, but like you guys, do you find that the fans are being disrespectful or do you think they were just responding to a match that wasn't very good? Um, I, I don't think that it's, uh, I, I had no issue with the crowd's reaction to it. And I also understand Alexa Bliss having a reaction like that. I don't know if, if I was a close friend of Alexa Bliss, if I would have encouraged her to tweet that, um, because yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, it was a bad night. That was it. No one's talking about that match today. It was a bad match. Everyone knew it was bad. They probably realized it was bad. They were out there for 23 and a half minutes. Um, and to me, it's no different than a comic that goes up there and they bomb one night. That's going to happen. It's not the end of the world. And I don't blame the audience that it's not always going to be just, I think the audience as a whole are much more uh, accepting and are not the type now that are going to be chanting the like the you fucked up chants of years past. I think it's it's rare we get reactions like that. Yeah, I totally I totally think just like leaving it alone, like you said, it's just going to go away. I think like I'm a big Alexa Bliss fan. I, I like all the women that were in that match. So, yeah, I was just curious uh, to get your thoughts on that. But, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks a lot, Paul. We appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. All right. Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, there's going to be nights when you you don't have a, a great outing and you just simply look to the next one. And it was something where the match wasn't working and an audience is there. Like, to me, that's not ruining the show. It's an audience that, you know, they, they responded how they did. And that's when you're doing a live entertainment performance and you're willing to sell tickets to an event that... That comes with the territory, that it's not always going to be the reaction you receive, and then the performers adjust accordingly. Uh, That is kind of professional wrestling. It's feeding off of the audience and being able to manipulate in such a way that you get the desired response. So that, to me, was that, and not something that many people are going to be focusing on beyond one night, which is all it was, a bad night. Um, As we are... uh, Locating our guest here, some other news and notes from this past week. Uh, Joey Janela has been announced for Battle of Los Angeles. He's the latest entrant into the September tournament. 
SmackDown did 2,122,000 viewers on Tuesday. That was their highest number in three months going back to the Superstar Shakeup, April the 16th. So uh, whether it was a combination of the Town Hall promotion, uh, Daniel Bryan's announcement, uh, there was and coming off the pay-per-view, there was heightened interest in SmackDown as opposed to regular weeks, which was a bit surprising, but maybe there were a lot of people that figured Bryan might be announcing something big, and maybe they just thought, wow, a Town Hall. I want to be part of this town hall and what a payoff it was. We'll see if the ratings hold up for the next week. I think they will next week. Coming off that Raw reunion, I think SmackDown will get a bump as a result of that, just naturally. All right. uh, Are we ready to move on to our next guest? Well, coming up SummerSlam week, uh, there are so many shows going on in and around Toronto. And the Summit is featuring a ton of promotions kind of underneath this umbrella. And part of that is OWE, who are are going to be running their first Canadian dates uh, Wednesday, August the 7th at 4 p.m. And then they'll be back on Saturday for an additional show at 3 o'clock p.m., both going down at the Midtown Event Center. And a man that's going to be part of these, you know him as Buck Gunderson, and he is joining us here on the Cafe Hangout. How are you doing today, Buck? I'm great. How are you guys? Uh, We're doing fantastic. We are bracing ourselves for perhaps the craziest week in the history of Toronto wrestling. Would you go so far as to say that this is the busiest you have ever seen this city in terms of the number of shows and the amount of performers that are going to be in the city? Absolutely. It's insane. Uh, You can't sneeze and not hit a show next month. For for a performer like yourself, I mean, this has to sort of be a great indication that you know, the WWE bringing SummerSlam here and crossing the border, like other shows will follow, other companies will want to come to town. And it's, it's got to be something like that. Toronto is able to support the, first of all, that's a better question. Do you feel that the city can support this volume of shows that week? What are, what are kind of your expectations going into this? I feel it can support uh, that volume of shows, that number of shows. Um, If WrestleMania um, is any indication at all, um, I, I was there this past WrestleMania to take in um, this sort of structure of that many shows around uh, WrestleMania being the epicenter. And um, Toronto's been starving for a pay-per-view, and they have a tremendous independent scene. So I hope it'll be quite similar to what goes on WrestleMania week. In particular, uh, Buck, we're here to talk about your participation in OWE's first event in Toronto uh, in fact, you're in the very first match on the first Chinese pro wrestling show in North America, and a lot of firsts in this one because you are There's a lot of firsts. You are facing the first Chinese-born Canadian citizen to become a wrestler in Sunny Zai, uh, and you, Buck, are the first Canadian to wrestle in China. Um, how did this match come about? Absolutely. Well, last year um, it was during my my uh, tour, my first tour there in China with MKW, Middle Kingdom Wrestling, that I found that out, that I was the first ever um, Canadian to wrestle um, for a Chinese company there in China. And uh, uh, Now, is and that, from, where is the verification for that? I totally believe you, but, but where is the well, source? Well, to my knowledge, yeah. Well, I was speaking to uh, some of their, their journalists and historians over there because professional wrestling is relatively new in China. And um, the only examples of Canadians they could find were in places like Macau had some cards. But prior to myself 
they couldn't find any Canadian that had wrestled in China. And, and this is mainland China you were on. That's right. It was in Harbin, China, which is the home base of MKW. Now, was there, uh, was there a big process to go through to be, order, be able to get onto these shows? What was that like? Well, there was. Um, the, the visa process uh, to get the visa, well, I, I had to apply a couple times. It was very in-depth um, as far as visas and, and traveling. It was, it was the most in-depth and the most paperwork and uh, roadblocks I definitely had to go through. And I ended up going over there during the, uh, the whole travel advisory with the Huawei situation. Oh, wow. So, so that was pretty nerve-wracking, especially for my family. And how did you get hooked up with Middle Kingdom Wrestling in the first place? Well, that's a whole story uh, in and of itself. Initially, long story short, initially, um, I had applied for a coach position over there, and I was accepted, but there was um, some family emergencies that prevented me from doing that. So they went with another coach, and I kept in contact with them. So when they had their, their big um, international um, belt and road tournament coming up, they reached out to me to uh, take part in that event, which I think it had wrestlers from over 20 countries on that card. So what was it like uh, wrestling in front of that audience that, as you mentioned, like wrestling is kind of new, that they're kind of viewing this through uh, different eyes than you're probably used to performing in front of? What what, what uh, kind of uh, conclusions did you take from that audience and what they're looking for within professional wrestling? Well, as far as the, uh, the audience in China... Um, a lot of the audience there um, were were taking the event in almost like purely as observers, um, just watching it like it was a play or movie. But as the show was, and shows went on, because there were a couple of shows um, over the weekend, um, a lot of uh, expats in the audience sort of served as uh, guides to how um, the wrestling should be responded to and enjoyed as far as participating now, now is is the concept of kayfabe uh, very much alive with the audience, or did you get the sense that the audience knew what was, you know, like th- that this was a performance and th- what they were watching was, you know, a theater? It was a very different audience. Um, I, I, I couldn't really uh, gauge that aspect, but they definitely enjoyed it and wanted to um, know more, take pictures with the wrestlers. Um, be fans at the end of it all and, and no more. What could you tell us about Sonny Tide, the first Chinese-born Canadian to become a wrestler? Is that right? Well, it's absolutely. Uh, first Chinese-born Canadian Citizen. Uh, professional Sorry. wrestler. Yes. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so it's another first to add to the pile here for the first OWE show. Like I said, MKW. Um, they were having that belt and road initiative tournament, and now OWE is building its road by having OWE Toronto and uh, reaching out to myself as the first Canadian and the first um, Chinese-born Canadian wrestler. And uh, we hope to set things off in, in an epic way in that first match. That's a high standard for what's set to be a tremendous cross-promotional showcase between Smash, OWE, and AEW. 
Now, when it, when it comes to uh, OWE itself, I'm sure more and more fans are now becoming uh, familiar with the promotion and seeing their working relationship with All Elite Wrestling. But for those that maybe have not seen any of their shows proper, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the style that OWE is introducing and kind of just what were your initial impressions uh, of OWE and things that they're doing different? OWE is definitely something different, something um, uniquely Chinese. I mean, I think what says it all is that you've got Shaolin monk techniques and training, and you've got Shaolin monks doing pro wrestling. So this is definitely new. This is something that's never been seen before. And it's going to be an interesting hybrid with all those uh, three brands coming together. That should be the name of the show. OWE Toronto presents Shaolin monks doing pro wrestling. I think that's no, no explanation necessary. I think that's, that's the sales Absolutely. point right there, but that's a tagline right there. <laughs> you know, as, totally. as, we, as we talk about the, this big week as well, I mean, you've been part of this scene for so many years in many different capacities. And you mentioned kind of the health right now and so many different companies that are running at this time. What do you kind of attribute to getting to this point where, you know, for there was a time when th- this was not this hotbed that it is today. What do you kind of attribute as some of the reasons to where we are today now in this Toronto wrestling scene? Well, I think uh, be it Toronto or anywhere else, as far as um, in- independent promotions, just the ability to have so many eyes on them and people to decide whether they do or don't like something. Like I remember having to seek out ECW on, on UHF and then have an antenna angled right to watch it because I was that far, far deep into professional wrestling. But with something like the WWE network now putting, um, documentaries and showcasing things like evolve and nxt and the histories of the wrestlers participating in these promotions it makes it so much easier for even the casual fans to see something they might never had seen before if they were seriously into tape trading yeah absolutely now now how about wrestling in the toronto indie scene in particular um compared to you've been doing this for like a decade right haven't you buck Absolutely. And in that decade, I mean, um, again, as far as eyeballs being on products, I found in that time that doing professional wrestling in the U.S. is going to garner more eyes more easily. In Toronto, so many wrestlers who are very talented toil away, and Mm -hmm. there just isn't the right eyeballs on them so that they can showcase themselves in a way that will um, further their career as quickly as it might doing the same things in the United States is, is the the great opportunity here now. Right. And, and obviously, you know, uh, visas are always going to be a real major issue for Canadian wrestlers. Is that something, you know, you, you've even investigated yourself or is it not worth it? Uh, visas for, for uh, wrestling, for working in the, in the U S I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely an issue, um, working in the U S um, as far as being able to wrestle in the U.S., to my knowledge, um, Canadian Canadians technically they're they're not allowed to go and be a professional wrestler and cross the border and get paid to work in the U.S. But as far as Americans coming up to do so in Canada, they're 100% allowed to do so. So it makes it much more difficult to branch out in, into the United States. Mm. 
I wanted to mention some of the other matches on this OWE show. Uh, one of the headlining matches on the fir- very uh, first night, which is August 7th at 3 p.m., um, taking place on the same card that Buck is wrestling, is The Dark Order from AEW taking on Strong Hearts, uh, comprised of T-Hawk and Lindemann. And uh, more matches to come uh, to be announced for that one. But on the other show, which is August 10th, we have our good friend Sebastian Suave taking on Shima in one of the headlining matches. Also, Psycho Mike takes on Sky. Yeah, I mean, these, these cards look uh, great, and there's a ton of great wrestling going on in the city. One, one disappointment, uh, Buck, is I think that if ever there was a week for a Pillow Fight League reunion, <laughs> this would have been it to do in Toronto. I think that would have been the Kaiju Big Battle of the weekend, to do a reunion. Absolutely. Gone but not forgotten earlier. <laughs> yes. Uh, you were involved with, with the yeah. Pillow Fight League, and I don't. If if you weren't around at that time, the amount of success that you guys had, and the uh, the attention you guys got, like from the likes of CNN, like it was really something to watch. Of something that just it really caught on. Absolutely, it, it was unreal. Touring um, all over Canada, all over the U.S. Um, again, being on CNN, like major news sources reporting about this. A little pillow fight thing out of a screen printing studio in Toronto <laughs> was unreal. Trivia: Do you guys know who the first male performer of the pillow fight league is? Oh, are we on the line with them? Yeah, in a way. Another first. Nope. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> uh, last question here for you, uh, 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 Buck. Um, you uh, you are part of a uh, battle arts uh, Santino Morales Training Academy out in Mississauga. He is scheduled to make an appearance on this coming. Monday's Raw reunion. Has he tipped you off at all about uh, how he might be preparing? Well, I can tell you this. This past weekend was the debut of uh, Battle Arts Pro. So prior to that, out of the Battle Arts facility, there was the Rising Stars promotion, which showcased a lot of the students. But now the cream has risen uh, to the top, and he brought in a lot of uh, Impact, names from Impact, and he himself got back in the ring out of retirement and had a match himself. So he's definitely been preparing and he is in ring shape. Like we haven't seen him since he was uh, in OVW. Wow. Well, there you go. There's a, there's, there's a tease for you right there. Uh, well, Buck, uh, we're looking forward to coming out uh, for the OWE shows that are happening. Once again, uh, the first night, it is Wednesday, August the 7th, 3 p.m. Eastern time, or 4 p.m. Eastern time, my mistake, at the Midtown Event Center. And then they're back on Saturday uh, with a 3 p.m. start time. Uh, You can get all the information, smash-wrestling.com, look up the summit. And there's so many great shows going on, some phenomenal international talent, but only one first. And And real quick, I've got got a ticket promo for you. Oh, great. OWE in caps, capital OWE. Versus VS small versus AEW in caps. OWE versus AEW will get you uh, 20% off, I believe, at ticketscene.ca slash smash. Ticketscene.ca slash smash. OWE versus AEW. Thank you so much, guys. Buck, you're the man. Did did we use the promo? No, no, we we bought we we supported in full. <laughs> so, uh, Buck, thank you so much, and we will be seeing you in a couple of weeks at the show. All the best. Thanks so much. Take care. See you, Buck. That was Buck Gunderson, everybody. Uh, Man, making a lot of history. I didn't even realize all of that history that is going to be made. Uh, A lot of firsts. Look, we've got a standing room audience. (laughs) Scared me. 
Oh, oh my man. god. We, we've got an audience here. John's we... kid just poked out the window. He he comes to this window and he scares me sometimes. Oh my god. I'm anyway. like, who's that little small man? Yeah. He's <laughs> he's he's up there. That's hilarious. Okay, um let's uh i want to take some calls i want to take some calls because some people are trying to get on before uh if it so we'll we'll at least like be on for a a couple more minutes here if you wanted to get in on on the broadcast uh please call in right now (laughs) wade's reaction oh my god (laughs) you freaked me out it's like the most adorable most scary little man he's two now wow um yeah so do give us a call the number to call is as always 732-800-4423 or look us up on Skype. Just search for Post Wrestling. We'll be taking calls uh, for the remainder of the show as long as they are coming in. And Way, I'm excited that this is a relatively quiet weekend coming up. Uh, We've got G1 on Friday and Saturday. And there's a UFC card in San Antonio on Saturday night. But a relatively quiet one. Yeah, I would say so. In comparison to last weekend. No no weekend is uh, crickets, but... Yeah, how are you finding the uh, the the? Are you in a groove now with the G one? Would you say with five shows in? Uh, well, ask me that on Monday. Uh, I will see after this this weekend. But no, it's uh, it, it seems to be going fairly well. Like yeah. these are very easy shows to watch, and you know it's not as though you're watching a four plus hour show each day. If the wrestling was not good, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation. But because all the, all the wrestling has been so strong, um, basically you get like a an hour and a half of it every single day. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and we John John and I just did our review of uh, Night Five on uh, the Post Wrestling Cafe feed. Of course, this was headlined by Will Osprey versus Kota Ibushi. For the sake of spoilers, because I know a lot of people listening to this might not have had a chance to watch it yet, uh, we won't spoil it for you. But if you want our full thoughts, do download that podcast that's up right now. Yes, we are doing shows after every G One show for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So simply go to postwrestlingcafe.com. You can sign up now, and you can get all of our G1 reviews, along with all of our Patreon bonus shows, including uh, next week, we'll be back with Rewind Away. So that is uh, coming everyone's way. Very exciting. Uh, one last thing I guess I should mention. We have somebody on our message board who's been trying to sure. find somebody to take a ticket from him uh, for the G1 Saturday, August 11th show, which is one of the block finals. Uh, what is this? The B That's block? All, this is the B block final on Sunday, which I guess will be John Moxley and Juice Robinson. Wow, amazing. Okay, anyway, so he's he's looking for somebody to uh to, attend with, right? To attend with, I suppose. He's got a yeah. spare ticket to yeah. the B block finals. Uh, so if you want his contact information, he told us to say this on, oh, okay. on air. So his name is M Warford. M W A R F O R D. First come, first serve. Yes, this is weird. This is like matchmaking. On the cafe hangout, it's what we've, we do. We've 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 made quite a few friendships, I would say, through our 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 little communities. Oh yeah, like after a certain age, I don't think you make friends anymore. Like this is our this is my gateway to making friends is through this show. Wrestling this is how yeah, we make it's friends. like the friends get lower as the age gets higher. It's kind of true. That's a really depressing note. To All right, no no on. calls. I, I assume everybody's shy. I take that back. No friends. We're no making. friends either. That's but, okay. Um, uh, this was a fun one. It uh, it just went by in warp speed. Uh, thank you to Buck Gunderson for joining us, as well as James Lynch. Uh, check out all of his fine MMA coverage that is going on at the score. At Buck Russell's, at Lynch on Sports. Correct. Check out all of that great stuff. Uh, Wayne and I will be back. We'll have G1 shows coming out Friday and Saturday on the cafe as well. Two new editions of Cruel Summer are out this weekend. Uh, up, WH- next. up next is up right now. Yes, you can check that out with the review of Wednesday's show, which featured Apollo Crews versus Kushida. 
Very good match. Yeah. Kushida is now using the Sakuraba lock. Out with, that's out, what it's called? Yeah. Out with the hoverboard lock, in with the Sakuraba lock. Wow. You figure, if anything, they would... Like, I, I, I okay, I guess you don't want to... I don't know, is hoverboard, like, co- copyrighted or something? Or No, I think they just want to change something. Right, right. I see. No, give but, it a fresh but to coat. give it reference to Sakuraba, I think that's really cool. I like the name better, to be yeah. honest. I think it's a cooler name. Yeah, so, very there you cool. go. Uh, that's happening. Go check out Up Next. You can subscribe to their own feed. They also did a great review of the Evolve 131 card from last weekend. So go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. Oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold oh. on a second. You you gotta you gotta talk a little bit slower, John. The, the because... beautiful music to take us out. It would not be a cafe hangout without this music that should be playing in every cafe worldwide, whether you are in Shanghai, China, or Toronto, Ontario. These are the tones that say thank you for listening to the cafe hangout. Goodbye.